Residents of a single room occupancy building or an SRO hotel, as they are often called in Vancouver's downtown east side, say many have been trapped in their rooms. That's since the building elevator broke down and that happened last September. Global News caught up with Victor Dickinson and he described what it has been like. Um, we have no elevator for the last four months. It's been very difficult for me to get anywhere. I can't get anywhere. I've been stuck in my room for the last four months trying to get help to get down is really impossible. Yeah, it's been a struggle. So the Portland Hotel, which is about 20 years old, just a bit older than that, it's operated by the Portland Hotel Society, the Community Services Society, along with Vancouver Coastal Health and BC Housing. Uh, Global News did reach out trying to get more information about the broken elevator and what was happening with that. The housing minister did confirm that the elevator requires a complicated fix and that has been delayed partly because of challenges with the supply chain. Now, this story is similar to something that is playing out in the United States as well, and a story that's coming out of California. We wanted to talk a little bit more about that and find out what is happening there. So joining us is Annette Herrings, who is the lead attorney for the tenants of a building also with elevator issues. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Jill. Can you tell us a little bit about the building in question and what the tenants are dealing with? Well, the building is over 100 years old, and so is the elevator. And the defendant in this case is AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and they purchased the building back in September 2017. Their expert testified that the elevator was out of service for two years. And my clients continue to suffer because the elevator has not been fully modernized is what our clients are arguing here. And so, therefore, the, the elevator continues to go out of service on a regular basis. Wow, two years it seems like a really long time. And I, from what I understand, too, that your clients and people who live in that building are also people, in some cases, that have mobility issues. Right. So we're arguing that all of... Uh, all of our clients have significant mobility issues. Um, three of them uh, use wheelchairs to get around. One of them is an 85-year-old Native American. She's Navajo, Julia Big Boy. She has stage four stomach cancer. And unironically, on the day of her deposition, the, video, the elevator was out of service. And so I personally had to take her down the stairs and up the stairs. And, you know, there's video on it on YouTube. And it's really, really devastating. And when you talked about the, the foundation that runs the building, this is not a, a, a startup foundation. This is a well-established foundation with some pretty deep pockets, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. This is the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and they have to file their taxes publicly because they claim to be a nonprofit. And in their publicly filed taxes, it shows that they're about a $1.6 billion company and have about $200 million in cash and cash equivalents on hand. So we're arguing that they can afford to fix the elevator for sure. And don't they also, it seems like a bit of irony as well, isn't this a foundation that also goes after bad landlords? 
Yes, AHF has, according to public records, spent over $100 million on certain ballot measures about rent control and has, according to public records, uh, paid over $100,000 to an embroiled city councilman named Kevin DeLeon uh, as a quote-unquote housing advisor. So AHF has kind of redirected a lot of its financial energies on providing housing, uh, and they purport to do this in the interest of low-income people and to address the homelessness situation. However, there's public records that show within the first couple years of AHF buying the Madison Hotel, which is the subject of our lawsuit, that they evicted about 40 people. And what happened to those low-income people, we, we don't know. And the the Madison Hotel then, and this building, I, I know it sounds overly oversimplified, but why, why don't they just fix the elevator? Now, that is a question that you're going to have to ask AHF, because we can't figure it out. Right. And have they given any reasons? In the case in Vancouver, one of the reasons given is supply chain issues and that it's a complicated fix. But I I was curious if in this case, because there are so many similarities, have they also given up any any kind of reasons as to why the elevator just keeps failing? Yes. I mean, in their publicly filed pleadings, they've said a few things. One is that the city of Los Angeles has hampered their ability to get enough electricity into the building to properly um, handle the elevator. Uh, The city of Los Angeles subsequently has settled with the AHF Foundation for almost $100,000. And then AHF has also claimed that the benefit of fixing the elevator is not outweighed by the hardship it would cause AHF. Hmm. So because they're saying it would be such an expensive fix or that, that it would have some kind of financial hardship? Yes, that is one of their defenses in their answer. It was that it would cause an undue financial or administrative burden. And is that the the case? And I know you can't go into great details on the case, but this this is what led to the lawsuit filed by the the tenants, several tenants of this particular building. Uh, what is happening with the lawsuit? Well, we're supposed to go to trial. We do have trial preference, which means that we have to have it quickly because a couple of our clients are so ill, including Julia Big Boy, who has stage four stomach cancer and is going through chemotherapy. So we have to start the trial no later than this February the 8th. So that's not too far away. Are you confident that it will start? Um, We never know what happens, but we, the plaintiffs, are prepared to go to trial for sure. Right. I understand, too. I mean, some of the you you outlined uh, kind of how you had to carry a client up and down the stairs for that deposition and and some of the what's been going on as far as uh, tenants in that building. I understand as well that a few years ago, somebody actually fell down one of the open one down the elevator shaft. Yeah, that's one of my clients, too, Kenneth Owens. Um, You know, AHF and the property manager at the time 
statewide enterprises uh, circulated a video of what happened to Mr. Owens out in the hallway. And during this lawsuit, um, they swore under oath that, oops, the video was destroyed. But I came across the video and it shows that my client did like just opened the door and he's blind. So he opened the door and stepped into an empty elevator shaft and he fell down. Oh my goodness. Was, did, did he recover from that? Well, he wasn't using a walker that day and now he's using a walker at all times. Hmm. Does that and and the other issues with this, are there no codes or or building laws that would require, I'm thinking even in the case of if there was an evacuation of the building, if there was a fire or something, we all know that when there's a fire, you're told not to use the elevators, that you should be getting away some, getting down the stairs or getting out a different way. Are, Are there code violations or other concerns in that sense? Well, there are Los Angeles municipal codes and uh, California uh, building and safety codes that require a building that has an elevator to have a working elevator. So we're claiming that, but the main things that we're claiming in our lawsuit is disability discrimination and failure to make an accommodation for our clients' physical disabilities, meaning fix the elevator. Right. And and is it different to when we're talking about a building that's being run? I mean, code, obviously, that, that's law and that's what, what wh- whoever the owner is should be following this. But is it different, do you think, when we're talking about a building that's being run by this multi-billion dollar corporation or, or, or uh, foundation? I have seen no law that says new buildings have to comply with the law, but old buildings don't have to comply with the law. And What I would say is that if I go out and buy a car and I don't do any sort of pre-purchase inspection of this car and I drive off the lot and six months later it sputters to a halt, that's on me and I have to pay to fix the car or I get rid of it. No, very, uh, very true. No, it's an, an interesting example. Um, the, going to trial then, is that the next kind of chapter in this, do you think, as far as trying to find some resolution and trying to make this building safer then for the residents? Yeah, that's what we have to do. I mean, we've had this case filed since February 2021. I have another case that I'm co-counseling with Hennig, Kramer and Ruiz, which is a class action, which I filed back in March of 2020, and we make the same claims for the elevator being out of service. The only difference in the class action is that we're claiming it under habitability laws and not disability discrimination laws. So here you have a quote-unquote nonprofit organization that has $1.6 billion of income every year and $200 million cash on hand, and they have known at least for three years because of our lawsuits that the elevator has been broken and it has still not been modernized. All right. Well, thank you so much, Annette, for joining us and talking about this. Uh, The similarities, although a different scale, but uh, so many similarities to some of the cases or stories that we're seeing here in Vancouver. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us today.
It's my pleasure, Jill. Have a great one.